Locked On NBA. The biggest story is a local expert. Every Monday, we dig into the biggest stories across the NBA with the Locked On Podcast Network hosts. Today, we go to New Orleans to speak with Jake Madison of Locked On Pelicans about the Zion Williamson injury, the mystery surrounding it, the front office shenanigans behind it, and what it means for the Pelicans in the future and for this season. And we go to Toronto to speak with Sean Woodley of Locked On Raptors about the fact that maybe people are sleeping on the Raptors after their season from hell last season. So all coming up, the biggest stories with the local experts on Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi guys, and welcome back to another week of Locked On NBA. I am your Monday host, Josh Lloyd. I'm also host the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, and I'm the lead analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. Thank you for making Locked On NBA your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, and make sure you're also checking out whatever your favorite team is, because we have a local show that covers that, and you can check them out, available on all platforms as well. So let's get in here and uh, and talk some Pelicans. All right, so talk... To talk about the Pelicans, it's now time for me to bring in the host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. Of course, that is Jake Madison. Jake, welcome uh, welcome to Locked On NBA. Of course, thanks for having me on, Josh. Now, the the situation in New Orleans is always something. There's always something weird, apparently, going on with this franchise, whatever it is. But we've got another Zion scenario where yeah, he showed up at Media Day and said, oh, by the way, broke his foot. Okay. But we expect him to be ready for... We expect him to be ready for the regular season, said David Griffin. All right, everyone thought, okay, that's fine. Opening night. And then, of course, we come back and, oh, they're having scans. We're going to see how it all goes. And then David Griffin says, I didn't say beginning of the regular season. I said we expect him back in the regular season. So, obviously, when he said that first quote, it sounded like we expect him back for opening night. And now he is backtracking, I guess, on this scenario. So, what is the update with Zion and his foot? And why is there just so much continual, I don't know, misinformation, whether that's deliberately coming from Griffin, whether there's miscommunications between the two parties? What is actually going on here? Yeah, let let me tackle that one first, because David Griffin basically said he was going to be ready for opening night and then kind of really had to walk that back. But the the other thing is Zion himself said at media day, like, I'm going to be there on opening night. And so something has happened, right? Like there's no way you go from kind of those those declarative remarks to not being ready for opening night with either it just going slowly in terms of recovery, right? Which could happen. Uh, maybe there was a setback, which would be unfortunate, but clearly they're, they're withholding something. And it's just kind of a weird situation all around. You don't really want to believe much of kind of what's going on around the team with it. You know, they, they treat Zion kind of with kids gloves. I think everyone's kind of hyper aware of the media frenzy around him. And I think they're trying to shield him from that a little bit, maybe the franchise from that a little bit. But lying certainly isn't the way to do it, because if it doesn't go exactly according to your plan and this didn't, you kind of end up in this way worse situation, which is where we are right now. So it's just kind of weird. And look, that, that thing with the broken foot was kept so secret. I was there on media day. I was with the people from ESPN, The Athletic, and I know those guys really well. No one, as I hit my mic, no one knew about this at all. Like 
that was like a state secret. It was like the equivalent of like nuclear codes or something like that. To just casually drop that at media day is kind of wild and not have something like that leak at all is kind of wild. So I don't know, as you said, it's kind of always something with the team. The update right now though, is they're going to get some more scans done in about two more weeks. They've cleared Zion to run right now on that foot. Finally start to put more weight on that. He had been doing conditioning in terms of like zero G and water and pool activities, but now he's running on the court. He's not cleared to play five on five. He's cleared to play one-on-none, according to David Griffin. So it's going to be Zion working with a trainer and going a little bit harder than what he's been doing, and they'll reevaluate it in two weeks. So we don't really know how long this is all going to drag out. Of course, Griffin also said, you know, uh, he heard it at the start of summer, then he quickly backtracked that in the same sense. Oh, actually, at some point in the summer. Um, and then the other you know, stuff, there's always just weird stuff, again, around Zion and, and this front office where, you know, when he had to leave the bubble, at this start of the bubble campaign in Orlando when then it came out like a year later that they actually had a hamstring injury there and no one mentioned anything about it. So there's a lot of confusion there. What? And then, of course, there's the David Griffin, Zion Williamson, Piano Gate story, whatever's going on there. So all this stuff, I guess, Jake, it does, it should make Pelicans fans a little bit nervous, I guess, around the, I don't even know if it's frosty, the whatever that is it's not a harmonious relationship between zion and his camp and the current front office what do you think anything changes there do you think that the you know ownership goes well zion's obviously got some sort of problem here that if he says that griffin and that team needs to go that they will go like how could that because it doesn't feel very cohesive at the moment no, it doesn't. And you're right. And there is a bit of a, I don't, maybe frosty is the right word. The, the bigger way I would describe it is I don't think Zion completely trusts the front office and the whole organization, I think is the best way to put it. He was very frustrated with the team going back to his rookie year when he came back after that meniscus tear of playing those bursts and they wouldn't let him close games. He wasn't getting significant minutes. He'd play like three minutes. They'd pull him out. He hated that. And I think because of how slowly they brought him along, he's kept kind of the team at arm's length here. He doesn't tend to trust the trainers. He wants to kind of work with his own people. It's Aaron Nelson, who's one of the best in the business. They pulled him away from the Phoenix Suns a couple of years ago. This is kind of a a situation of just everyone needs to grow up and kind of be adults, right? Like Zion needs to let this go from two, three years ago and trust the experts here, right? And kind of be a little bit more of a professional than he's been. And David Griffin needs to just kind of chill out and be like a human being and not do all of this other stuff that he's doing that makes it a whole lot worse. And also, yeah, just put a good roster around him, win games, and this can kind of all go away. I I don't think David Griffin's necessarily on the hot seat. I don't know if ownership would come in and go, oh man, we're going to lose Zion Williamson if we don't get rid of this guy. At least we're not there yet. You know, this is still the same organization that kept Del Demps for seven, eight years when he had basically nothing to show from it. Um, They're on their third head coach in three years. That probably buys David Griffin some leeway because you don't want to bring in a new GM president of basketball operations who then has to inherit a coach that he didn't hire. That's a bit of a mess. I think they're going to try and let this play out a little bit, but I'll go back to one thing with the Dell Demp stuff. There was a point that I got from Anthony Davis's camp and I knew them pretty well of if they had fired Dell Demps, it might, might have kind of changed the course of how that all went. And they pulled the trigger on Dell Demps way too late Let's not repeat that same mistake here again in New Orleans. Not that we're necessarily at that point, but that's something that stayed in the back of my mind when it comes to all of this. Yeah, that is very interesting because, of course, there was a lot of moves that were made to, I guess, on the surface appease Davis, but 
if he wasn't actually happy with those moves, shout out Omar Ashik, then maybe they need to like you know, actually discuss those sort of things with their you know, franchise superstar, which Zion Williamson is the next one of those. So in terms of this, it's obviously not an ideal start to a season for any team, let alone a Pelicans team that's had so much sort of misfortune over the last couple of years. How can they make the beginning of the season a success without Zion? Like, what what do they need to show to be, you know, do they need to stay at 500? Like, is that an unrealistic expectation without Zion? What do they need to do before he gets back? You know, I, look, 500 would be a good start. I, that might be a little bit unrealistic. They've won far more games with him in the lineup than not, and that's something that they're going to have to kind of figure out. Look, it's a new head coach. They treated preseason kind of a little bit like training camp, which means the start of the regular season is going to be a little bit like preseason when maybe they're actually running a more proper rotation. So there's going to be a lot of growing pains there. I think the biggest thing you could see from this team or that you'd want to see from this team to start the year would be a guy like Nikhil Alexander-Walker or even to a lesser extent, maybe Jackson Hayes, really kind of stepping up during this time period. Those young guys, and they're banking on their internal growth, their internal development to kind of take a leap as players. If they can do that, I think it shows Zion 1, you're going to be able to win here for a really long time because this team is still very, very young, and these guys are continually growing. It's also going to help keep them afloat. They need Nikhil Alexander-Walker to be an above-average starter. It's kind of really that simple. And if those guys kind of step up and take the leap that the Pelicans are really banking on this year, I think they'll be able to keep things close enough to being afloat. It might not be above 500, 500 or even 500, but I don't think it'll be necessarily significantly below that. And look, Brandon Ingram looks like a different person this year. Maybe he goes for like 30 and eight. I don't know. That'd be cool. Um, and they could win some games because of that. It is going to be really interesting. Of course, we'd all love for Zion to be out there because he's literally undeniably impressive when he's out there. Like it's, it's amazing to watch, but we're not going to see that for a few weeks at least. But Jake, you're going to have all of the updates on the Pelicans and Zion's return and recovery over on Locked On Pelicans. Thank you for coming on Locked On NBA with me. Of course. Thanks for having me on, Josh. Price picks. You're into the NBA. You're watching this channel. If you're looking for the best place for DFS props, price picks is the answer for you. What is price picks? Well, it offers the best DFS prop game in the business. It is uh, more expansive than any other DFS prop operator. They have all the superstars, but also the bench guys getting just a few minutes. What you do is you get two to five players and you pick the over-under on whatever projection that you got. Assists, over-under, steals, blocks, rebounds, points. Get two to five of those, put them together, and you can get up to 10 times your entry back by just picking the over-under on those predictions. And it's just you versus the numbers. That's it. You can also do mixed sports on prize picks. So you can do touchdowns or interceptions or yards that Tom Brady is throwing versus the points and assists that LeBron James is having. You can add all those together to get yourself the best combination that you can find. Use the award-winning app, which is both available on the App Store or on Google Play, or you can use their website, prizepicks.com. Your entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. PrizePix is safe and offers fast withdrawals. So don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com. Use our promo code NBA. Or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Does this sound familiar to you? You've got one place to watch your live sports. You've got another to watch your on-demand shows. You've got your highlights on your phone. And then you've got someone else's login to watch someone else. It's all over the place. So much clutter. I want to tell you a simple way to get the entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It is called Direct TV Stream. It brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite shows, movies, and sports all in one place. 
That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there is no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required and content varies by package. All right, so let's talk about the Toronto Raptors now and bring in the host of the Locked On Raptors podcast. Sean Woodley is here with me. Sean, welcome to Locked On NBA. The Raptors, um, of course, they ended up with the number four pick in last year's draft, but that obscures what they were as a team. They weren't the fourth worst team. They jumped up in the lottery. They tanked their absolute mm-hmm. asses off to get into that spot. They played the entire season away from home on the road in Tampa Bay where plenty of the times where they were at home, they were out. Their fans were outnumbered, or they were, yeah, they were acting like a road team, and people were just expecting that. Oh well, yeah, Masai is just rebuilding now, and they're just turning a, a new leaf, and they're going to be tanking again this season. People aren't giving them, I guess, much credence to get back into being a playoff team. Uh, are people wrong in that respect? Yeah, I think so. I think they, you know, with all the reasons you pointed out, it's weird because it seemed like last season everybody kind of agreed, like, oh, yeah, this is a fake Raptors season. None of this really holds any water. And then the offseason comes and it's like, oh, actually, maybe the Raptors were bad. And it's kind of like a, a retroactive kind of changing of what we thought about the team at the time. Look, I, I don't think they're going to be back to like their usual sort of like home court advantage you know, spot that they've been in for most of the last decade. But I do think they're a lot better than they were last season. And I think even last year, if you think about it, I mean, the thing that derailed last year's team was a huge COVID outbreak where the three best players on the team, non-Kyle Lowry division, all got COVID and missed the entire month of March. Before that, they were playing really well. They were coming off a week where they, had, I think, had beaten the the Bucks back to back, and then beat the Sixers. They were kind of, you know, moving back up towards where they figured they should have been. I thought they were going to be the four seed, considering the way they were playing, the way their point differential was shaking out. They even finished the season despite tanking their asses off, like you said. They still finished the season like just barely below a net neutral team overall in the season. So. Yeah, I think they're being slept on a little bit. Yes, losing Kyle Lowry is a significant loss. You can't really undercut that. It's huge, but last season was not his best. He didn't drive winning the same way that he typically does. And the guys who are back, Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, all were the best three players on the team in terms of driving positive play last season. And then you throw in the fact that, you know, they have probably 11 or 12 good players right now on the roster compared to the seven or so you could have relied on last season. It does figure to me to be a team that's in a lot better spot than it was last year and will definitely be fighting for play in position as opposed to figuring out how far deeply they can tank. No offense to yeah, my fellow countryman, Aaron Baines, but yeah, they were relying upon him <laughs> to play center minutes last year, and he just was not good at all. So you're right, they have you're losing Lowry is tough, but <clears throat> you're replacing him with Goran Dragic. It is a step back, but it's mm-hmm. not necessarily a huge one. Like Dragic is still a really, really capable NBA player. You've seen OG yeah. Anobi take a step forward. They drafted Scotty Barnes. They got in some center depth with yeah, Birch and Achua in, in that front court. So overall, the team looks deeper. And mm-hmm. if Ananobi takes that step forward and yeah, Siakam comes back a little bit sooner than expected, which it appears it might be the case, Sean, I don't see why people are just writing them off the way they are. Now, in terms of that update on Siakam, of course, he had yeah. that torn shoulder labrum. It looks like he might only miss a couple of weeks to begin the season. 
Yeah, I think the date that everyone's been kind of throwing out there, I'm assuming sort of a pessimistic date just to kind of make sure the team's not counting on the return too quickly has been, you know, American Thanksgiving, you know, late November, that type of thing. You know, he very well could come back before then. He's been working out one-on-one at the Raptors uh, practice facility. He's shooting and all that stuff. Like, he's got the range of motion in his shoulder. You know, he's not taking contact or anything like that right now, but I'm sure that'll come in time. And yeah, with the way things have progressed here, there's been no news of any setback or anything like that. I think it's very possible that, you know, by the middle of November, you're looking at Pascal back in the lineup, in which case you're looking at, you know, A, some really interesting decisions for Coach Nick Nurse and how he deploys all these weirdos he has on this team who are six foot nine and play defense and don't really shoot and kind of offer all these sort of bizarro, you know, traits and qualities. But, you know, that's one of them good problems to have if your best player is coming back. And let's not mince words. Pascal Siakam is the best player on the Raptors. To me, he's one of the most, like, idiotically talked about players in all of basketball discourse considering basically people just kind of cherry pick the bubble and the two and eight start to last season which were really the only times pascal's been quote unquote bad in his career you know he's very good and he made a lot of strides last season playmaking wise scoring inside the inside the three-point arc wise i think he's in line for a really really impressive return to form i still think by season's end you're going to count him as the best player on the team even though og ananobi is very much coming and you know whenever he does get back i think the raptors stand to you know as long as they don't lose too much ground without him and it will be tough their offense is probably going to be terrible when he's not in the lineup but if they can kind of hold water, you know, be just below 500, avoid the same kind of start they had last year, I don't think there's going to be that big a hole for them to dig out of, and they'll have plenty of time to do it with a longer schedule as well. Yeah, because, again, this this narrative around Pascal and about the Raptors in general doesn't always seem to, or doesn't really hold water at all. And, you know, they act mm. like this team is tanking and you're looking to lose and rebuild, but I don't think any of the moves they made in the offseason would suggest that, yes, they picked at number four, but when you've got an opportunity to get a pick at number four, you take the pick at number four. And, yeah. you know, re-signing Gary Trent and you know, keeping Goran Dragic and you know, re-signing Ken Birch. These are these are not these, like, well, let's tear it down. They didn't trade Siakam. They didn't trade Ananobi. They didn't do any of these sort of things. So I still think they're going to be you know, much better than people anticipate. How important is getting back in front of crowds at, uh, mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't even know what the arena is called, Scotiabank, is that what it's called now? I don't even know what the... Scotiabank the, Arena, yeah, yeah it is. The, the big uh, ATM, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, what is, yeah, how big of, of an impact is full full crowds, yeah, Jurassic Park on the outside, like, how big is that going to be for this team? It's huge, right? Like, it's that's another one of these sort of slept-on storylines coming into the year. It's not being slept on, in, I think, in Toronto, but sort of league-wide. I don't think enough credence is being paid to how much it's actually going to tangibly affect things for the Raptors. I mean, what was the story about Toronto over the last seven, eight years while they were a playoff team? It's one of the best crowds in the NBA. On Wednesday for the home opener against Washington, I imagine it's going to be absolutely bananas, and I think that's going to carry right on through. People have missed this team. They've really, really kind of felt the distance, and I think it's going to be just an absolute huge boost. Not to mention, you know, last season, they held out hope that they'd be able to play in Toronto till basically the last possible minute. It was like two weeks before the season when it was declared, okay, yes, they're playing in Tampa. Most guys didn't even have houses to live in when the season started. They were practicing in a hotel ballroom the entire year. Like... I just think kind of knowing from day one, okay, we're in Toronto, we can move our stuff here, we can find places to live, we can get back into our routines well before the season starts. That's going to, I think, lead into a probably better start for the team as well than the 2-8 and start they had last season. It's just, it really is tough to understate. It's going to be massive. And just to your point earlier about the tanking thing, like, the Raptors tanked because, you know, 
fortune went so badly against them last year that they were kind of forced into it. And they yeah. were still fighting until the last few weeks to maybe get one of those play-in spots as well. Like, they didn't tank because they want to. This is not a franchise that tanks because it wants to. What it's going to do is hope they can ride the wave of being back home and having a deeper roster, you know, work on the development side of things, have some internal growth. And, you know, even if they're not a top of the East team this season, they're working towards something. And that something is probably trading all of their really good players at some point for even better players down the line because they have a million, you know, movable contracts, a lot of, you know, easy salaries to throw into deals. Uh, and I think being at home is really going to kind of spur them on. You know, had they been in Tampa again this season, I think it's possible that you look at it as, okay, maybe they're going to tank again just because of all of the sort of heartache and the hardship that it causes. But I don't think that's going to be the case this year. I think coming home is really going to kind of power them to probably a surprising season akin to most of the seasons from the last seven or eight years where the Raptors basically universally have hit their Vegas over by a mile. We've also got that home court advantage, though, if any uh, unvaccinated players break curfew, that they go to prison. So that's a that's that's a big a big advantage yeah. that they may have <laughs> so as well. What's the opposite of a carrot to dangle to somebody? Uh, <laughs> it's uh yeah, that's a, a slept on thing. And you know, I mean, we'll see what guys. I, I would assume people will be pretty strict in terms of actually holding up their end if they're not vaccinated. And um, you know, we'll see. But yeah, that is another sort of secret subplot: is which players go to jail just for visiting Toronto. <laughs> look, look out for uh, Bradley Beal and open night against the Wizards. Of course, Sean, you'll have it all covered for us over on Locked On Raptors throughout the heading up to the season and as the season pushes on. Thanks for coming on to Locked On NBA with me. Anytime, Josh. But what I've got to tell you about is Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. If you're looking for those protein bars, when you go to have one, they just taste like dirt. Not Built Bar. They taste like a candy bar. Whatever your favorite flavor, raspberry, orange, strawberry, Cookies and cream, salted caramel, Built Bar has deliciousness right across the board. But not only are they delicious, because they are, they're also healthy. 17 to 18 grams of protein, 130 to 180 calories, 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs for the old Built Bar. But you can get them now at 15% off. So head to Built.com, use our promo code LOCKEDON, and you will save, well, not LOCKEDON, actually, the promo code is LOCKED15, which is L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and that saves you 15%. So head to built.com, load your card up with boxes of built bars, and use that promo code LOCKED15 to get yourself boxes of built bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. And that'll do it for today's show. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. You can also find us and all nearly all shows across the Locked On Podcast Network over on YouTube as well. And you can check me out over on Locked On Fantasy Basketball heading into the season, ready to start. We're all ready to go. So guys, follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore Beeble as well. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.